We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You're listening to Setting the Pace, your go-to Pacers podcast with Alex Golden and Michael Focci. Ball loose. Give me one, Lance. Give me one, Lance. Stevenson ties it with 1.6. Duarte, he knows where the clock is, lets it fly and hits again. Halliburton at the buzzer. Captain Kush with another one. Brogdon goes inside and Turner finishes. Halliburton leaves it off for Batase. Go, go. Good job. Oh, what a move by Heald. He lays it in. Heald. Hotter than fish grease. Drops it off to Jalen Smith with the poster. Jackson the catch. Jackson the basket. Washington again. Five of them. Pacers got the steal. Out running is Brissette. Pounds it home. It to Taylor. Taylor missed it. Tips it in. Warren lets it fly. Yes! T.J. Warren is not human! Halliburton gonna slam it at the other end! What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode here of Setting the Pace. We're doing a special mock draft today, and joining me is the draft guru, but he might have to have those licenses revoked after his pick at four here for the Sacramento Kings. Fachi, how's it going, man? Wow, man, quite the intro today. Now, I'm doing great, and hey, let the Kings mess the draft up. I don't care. It's just going to help us in the end. It's what they do best. Yeah, absolutely. I saw another mock draft today that literally had Dyson Daniels going through to the Rockets. Like, what are we doing, people? Like, this is just getting out of hand. I think we're all just kind of overthinking every single thing now when it comes to this draft. But, man, I'm so excited because today on our podcast, we're doing this mock draft, Fachi, and we have an excellent guest from Yahoo Sports, Kristen Peake. I tell you what, she knows her stuff better than almost any person I've talked to when it comes to covering the draft. She is just downright awesome when it comes to knowing her her prospects, and I really enjoyed her insight. Absolutely. She knew these prospects in and out, their strengths and weaknesses, why it made sense at each pick. Uh, I think you guys are really going to enjoy her insight. Absolutely. Well, let's take a quick break. We're going to have NBA Mock Draft 2.0 up for you guys right after this. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, everybody. Joining us today for a very special podcast. It's going to be an NBA mock draft here, but we're going to be talking prospects here with this mock draft with Kristen Peak from Yahoo Sports. Kristen, thanks so much for joining us today. I mean, thanks for having me. Right now, it's the calm before the storm. Next week is when it starts to ramp up and get crazy. But uh, Christmas for me is right around the corner. There's <laughs> no greater time of year for me as an NBA draft analyst. So um, I'm happy to be here. Just such a fun time. I mean, look, the draft, it's right upon us. I'm with you. It feels like Christmas. So, hey, let's give the people what they want. We have a fun episode today. I think everyone's going to enjoy this. Yeah, so just so everybody knows, we've done a mock draft already before a couple weeks ago, but today we're going to be doing one with the three of us, and we're just going to go through this, the top 15 picks in the draft, and then kind of get Kristen's perspective on each of these players. So, Fachi, uh, I thought it would only be right that Kristen picked for the Pacers, so she'll be having picks 3, 6, 9, 12, and 15. I'll be having picks 2, 8, or excuse me, 2, 5, 8. This is hard to do in my head. Um, 11 and 14, and then you'll have the other ones. So, Fachi, kick us off here with the first pick. Who are you taking for the Orlando Magic? All right, with the Orlando Magic on the clock, the selection is in, and they are going with none other than Jabari Smith Jr. I love the fit next to Franz Wagner and Wendell Carter Jr. Great potential size, elite jump shooting big man with you know good defensive versatility. Um, I really like this pick for Orlando Magic. Kristen, what are your thoughts on this? I mean, I, at this point, he's kind of been the consensus lock for number one. Look, the Orlando Magic were one of the or is the worst three-point shooting teams last year in the NBA. They only shot 33% from deep. And what Jabari Smith brings is that he fills that void. You know, he led the SEC in three-point shots made with 42% from deep. And not only that, but he brings size. He's six foot ten incredible footwork uh, when he's inside the paint. He loves that turnaround jumper when the defender's on his right shoulder, but he's also great in the pick and pop and clearly knocks down the three-point shot. Yeah, I too love Jabari Smith Jr. He's number two on my big board. Number one is Paulo Boncaro, but I do not think that the Oklahoma City Thunder will go with Paulo. I think it's going to come down to Chet Holmgren and Jaden Ivey. A lot of rumblings out there about Ivey to two, but to keep it interesting, I'll just stick with Chet Holmgren here, number two for the Oklahoma City Thunder. Kristen, is this a good pick or, or should I have gone somewhere else? No, this is a great pick. And this is such a Sam Presti pick. I mean, can you just imagine Alexi Pokoshevsky, you know, seven foot one, 190 pounds and Chet Holgram, seven foot, 195 pounds <laughs> in the lane at the same time, elite shot blockers. Uh, you know, it's, 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 it's going to be interesting, which is what Sam Presti, I think when he amassed 37 picks in seven years is kind of what he wanted to build. And not only that, but like, this isn't the be all to end all. I guarantee you Oklahoma city will be in the same position next year as everyone is going to tank 
for generational type talent out of France, seven foot two, Victor Wimbignana. And we're going to see the same cast of characters that are in the top, I want to say four, five or six that are going to be here next year because he is a guy that's going to change the NBA. So yeah, take a swing for the fences at Chet Holgram. Great off the dribble, great uh, facilitator, one of those grab and go guys. And, you know, his size hasn't slowed him down at all since high school. He's the number one player coming out of high school. I don't think it's going to slow him down in the NBA. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. So let's move on to your third number pick or your third pick here for the Houston Rockets. Uh, who you got the Rockets take? Yeah, the Rockets have the easiest pick in the entire draft. The entire draft. Because you know what? You just take who the other two teams don't take. Unless, of course, the wild card happens and OKC takes Jaden Ivey. I don't think it's going to happen, even though there have been rumblings of it. Um, I think the other scenario that could happen is they could trade down to four. The Kings could move up. But anyways, Pelican Carroll is going to be sitting there at three to the Houston Rockets. I actually saw Jalen Green, who they drafted number two last year, about a month ago in Houston. And I asked him, how do you feel about possibly playing with Paolo? And he said, I love him. I love his size. I love that he's great with the ball in his hands. And he's kind of that, you know, big primary ball handler that can get the ball and start the offense off a missed shot. His lateral quickness isn't as great or defined as Chet or Jabari. So not, not saying he's a defensive liability, but I think that's why you're going to see him slip to three. And when I say slip, I mean, you're still the third overall pick. Um, but this is a great fit for Houston. And I think uh, it's probably going to happen this way. Just the way we just said, Jabari one, Chet two, power mm-hmm. three. Love the pick. I completely agree. I think it's a no brainer. Here's where things get a little dicey at pick four. With the Sacramento Kings, you know, on the clock right over here, I feel like no team in the top five is under more pressure to try and win right now than the Kings in their 16-year playoff drought, which I think this is why they could be going with Keegan Murray, who is perhaps one of the most or more complete players in this draft, more NBA-ready. The transition should be smoother than some other players. Murray was the only player in the nation last year to record 800 points, 300 rebounds, 60 block shots, and 50 assists. So I think they plug him in right over there at pick four, but I got to let you know, I very much debated Jay Ivey here as well. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. I mean, look, Jay Ivey is quite possibly John Morant 2.0. They worked out last summer together. You can see the similarities in their game and, and how Ivey has really tried to adapt what he learned from John Morant last summer into his game, his body control at the rim, his, he, he's a better shooter than John Morant. That's for sure. And I think that what's probably going to happen at four is that you're going to see a team like the Knicks or uh, maybe the Wizards trade up to four um, to try to get Ivy. But if they do take Keegan Murray, like you said, you're getting, you, you already know what you're getting in him. He led the Big Ten in scoring. He broke the scoring record at the Big Ten Championship, averaging 23.5 points per game. He has great size, 6'8". Um, you know, just a solid player. And when sometimes when you're drafting and you're the Kings and you kind of need that versatility and size with the inside-out game of a four, of a stretch four, and maybe a three, that's exactly what you're getting in Murray. Well, well Kristen, I want to ask you this because – there's been some rumblings that the Pacers have interest in Keegan Murray, and there's a possibility he could fall to them at six. I've seen a lot of discourse on Twitter between players or people that love him as a player and some that hate this pick for the Pacers at six. So just try to give me the best case scenario to tell people why Keegan Murray would be a great pick for the Pacers at six. I mean, I don't know what you guys want. Like Keegan Murray is, he, you know exactly what you're getting from him. I mean, if you want to take that gamble, then sure. But he's got great size. 
every team wants a guy with great size who can shoot at all three levels. He's proven that. And he improved tremendously from his freshman to sophomore year. So even though he is, I think he's 22, that's not quote unquote old because he's still showing areas of improvement to his game. He hasn't plateaued yet. So that's an encouraging sign as well. And when you put anyone next to Tyrese Halliburton or Malcolm Brogdon who can facilitate and create for him, I think he's just that guy. He's got a high basketball IQ. He's going to be able to, you know, score in those types of situations. There should be no hate on Keegan Murray, whether he's at four, five, or six. Hey, Kristen, you're talking to a fan base that selected a near 25-year-old last year in the first round. (laughs) So 22 feels like progress for us. But at the same point, us Pacer fans, we love to bicker and we're never satisfied. So we find a knock on just about everybody. But great description right over there of what Murray's bringing to the table. All right. Well, I will go ahead and make the fifth pick here for the Detroit Pistons. And uh, because of your pick at four, Keegan Murray, I'm a bit shocked that Jaden Ivey is here at five. So I think it's a slam dunk here. I've got to go Jaden Ivey here to the Detroit Pistons. I think his fit next to Cade Cunningham just makes too much sense for that. And I'm a little bit worried from the Pacers because Jaden Ivey in the central division makes me a little bit nervous. I agree. I mean, if, if Jaden Ivey, I hate saying this, if he falls to five, then you have to take him. At that point, it's best available. Well, whoever's best available, and he is it. Like, he could end up being, you know, the most productive guard out of this entire draft class. So him alongside Kay Cunningham, that is a dream backcourt for Detroit. And if he's there at five, you've got to take him, no matter what. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think it makes way too much sense. I mean, there's obviously some other options you can look at here, but I think Jaden Ivey, he's too good of a player to fall past five in this draft. If he does, um, I'll, I'll be stunned for sure. So, Kristen, you're picking here for the Pacers at six. Who are you taking? I'm going to take Dyson Daniels from the G League Ignite. I spoke to him yesterday, um, originally from Australia. He grew two inches this year, you guys. He's now six foot eight, um, looked great at the combine. I, I watched his pro day. Everybody was a little concerned about his outside jump shot because I think he only averaged, I think, 29% from three in the G League. Um, But he's a player that, you know, he grew up in Australia. He played alongside Josh Giddey. They grew up playing together. And everybody saw what Josh Giddey this year. He led the entire rookie class in assists. He's a phenomenal playmaker. So Dyson Daniels isn't that playmaker, but what he brings off the pick and roll off the wing is something that is very very intriguing to a lot of different teams. And I think the Pistons would, or sorry, the Pistons, the Pacers would really benefit <laughs> off somebody a with his size, because it, at six foot eight, you can, he can get down low and, and help in the post, but also guard all three positions on the perimeter because of his versatility and his athleticism. Size and defense, two things this Pacers team very much needs. I'm very intrigued by uh, Dyson, especially, you know, given that the recent workout for the Pacers. So very intrigued over there. I had to pivot a little bit for my next pick, you know, because this man slid a little bit further than I thought. But Benedict Matherin at seven to the Portland Trailblazers. The Trailblazers already worked him out. I think they like it. Sure, they're a little guard heavy right over here with Anthony Simons, Dame Lillard. But I think that they can't pass up Benedict Matherin over here. I think that he's got the capabilities to, you know, be a knockdown shooter, but also grow as a defender at 6'6 guard. I, I think that this is a, a guy that you can – put next to Damian Lillard and sell him on the belief that this is a player for now rather than a few years down the line. I agree. I love Ben Matherin. I mean, this is a player last year who elected to return to school after testing the NBA waters, getting the feedback from teams. He was kind of a fringe first round draft pick last year, and now he's 
a lock in the top 10. And we saw him take over games, which is what I think NBA teams wanted to see more just assertiveness in the offense and, and just his decision-making while getting downhill. He averaged close to 18 points per game, three assists and has good size. And he's also someone that can play on and off the ball. And at the end of the shot clock, I think when the shot clock was, I, I I'm re I'm trying to remember this off the top of my head, looking at his synergy sport stat line, but I think he averaged like 1.2 points per points per possession when there was five or less seconds off the shot clock. So he's someone that could kind of take that away from Anthony and from Dame and when the shot clocks or the game is on the line. Interesting. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious real quick though, uh, just to go back a pick, you picked Dyson Daniels for the Pacers. What made you decide Dyson Daniels over Benedict Matherin? I just think the the size, like they're so, they are so similar in their game. Like they're both, they both need to develop their three point jump shot. I think the fact that Dyson has a couple inches on him and is more of a, def- a defensive presence mm-hmm. than Ben is like Ben can guard one and two, but he struggled off the pick and roll on the wing in the switch. So, and Dyson didn't against grown men in the G league. So I think if we're, we're just, you know, we're picking at, at little, little things right here between the two of them, but it's just going to come down from preference. And right. for me, I prefer Dyson Daniels over Ben. Okay. Well, that, that at least gives me some clarity. I was just curious because I, I will just say this. I think a lot of Pacer fans are more on the Benedict Matherin train. I know me and Fachi are, but that's okay. <laughs> Moving on to the New Orleans Pelicans. I'm taking AJ Griffin here. Um, I just feel like with who's on the board, I would have preferred Dyson Daniels here if I was the Pelicans. But um, I think that AJ Griffin can provide some really good shooting off of the bench and gives us some really good depth. So I'm going to take AJ Griffin. What are your thoughts on that, Kristen? Oh man, that is a little too high for me, <laughs> but because from what I know about AJ Griffin, he has been hurt more than he's been healthy in his entire career. And this is something that teams look at a lot. And, but the problem is if he hits and he's healthy and he, you know, can play 60 to 80 games a year, multiple years in a row, then he is a player that a lot of teams want in the NBA. He's so versatile in terms of his size. He can play either the three, he can go down to the four because he's what, 230 pounds and a like just a solid brick. But my only hesitation in taking him at eight anywhere in the top 10 is just his, his history of injuries. And when he is hurt, he tends to, you know, be like Zion Williamson and put on a little bit of bad weight. We didn't even see him do any of his measurements during the combine. And people thought that that was possibly because he came in a little overweight. Um, but again, if he does hit, I, he might be the steal of the draft, but I have my reservations on AJ just because I've been covering him and watching him his entire career and the injuries, they concern me a little bit. Yeah, no doubt about it. I, I, I'm curious if you had this pick, who would you have taken? I mean, I, you take a swing at, at um, Shane Sharp for sure, because at the end of the day, he could end up being the most surprising, most talented player in this draft. No, he is the biggest dark horse. Nobody really knows who he is as an NBA prospect. I know who he was as a high school prospect. He was the number one player coming out of high school. Didn't play a single game at Kentucky, but um, I mean, shoot, I would take him at five. So I, I got you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I thought about that too. I was just curious. I, I didn't know if you thought about fit wise of Shaden Sharp made a whole lot of sense in new Orleans. I did actually ponder that pick just because I feel like that'd be a good spot for him to learn behind CJ McCollum. But at the same time, I feel like they're trying to win now. I feel like AJ Griffin probably helps them win now, but 
That's just my two cents. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. So let's move on to number nine, San Antonio Spurs. Who you got? I mean, you got to take Shane Sharp. This is the team that took uh, Josh Primo at 12 last year. Didn't play a single game this year. They they stuck him in the G League for development. And Josh, is he's the future of the franchise. So you got, you got Josh Primo, the point guard, you bring in Shane Sharp, do the same thing with him, stick him in the G League and have them develop together and bring them up into a role maybe two, three years down from now and, and put them in the backcourt along with Trey Jones, who, you know, is kind of like the up and coming. He, he kind of trends the water of being on the NBA roster, swinging down to the G League. So if you're the Spurs, you got to take him. Hey, I really like the pick. I think it's a fantastic value pick right over there. Alex and I were extremely high on Shaden Sharp before, but you know, hey, at that you can't pass him up at nine. Moving over to pick ten, I'm going with for the Alex is Washington Wizards. He's a big fan over there. Yeah, <laughs> Johnny Davis right over here. I think that this is a proven score. Hey, he could defend. You got to get a guy that can show to Bradley Beal. We're trying to win now, and I think that this is someone who is going to be you know from a scoring standpoint. You know, he's got the mid range touch. I feel like that the scoring will continuously grow. Needs to develop a little bit more from three, but I think that this is a player that is a bit maybe less of a project right now as you try and, you know, surround Beal with a little bit more firepower. Yeah, Davis was the most improved player um, in college basketball this season from his freshman year to his sophomore year at Wisconsin. And, you know, I don't know if NBA fans, they shouldn't know this, but maybe you guys should in, uh, in, in Indiana. But uh, Johnny actually went head to head with Jane Ivy early in January, I think. And he lit him up. Like Johnny was clearly the superior prospect on the core. I, I want to say every team was there watching the two go head to head. And um, so I, I'm not worried about him as a pro. I think there's still room for growth and development. Like you said, he needs to work on his three point jump shot. We can say that probably about 35 to 40% of the prospects that are projected in the first round. But um, he's a hard worker. He's tough as nails, very intense, um, has a hardworking mindset. Um, and there's a lot of long- long-term value in him. So, yeah, you scoop him up at 10 for sure. All right. Well, I've got pick 11 here with the Knicks, and I absolutely hate this pick because I have no idea where to go. So, since uh, Kristen, since you're GM of the Pacers here at six, can I, can I entice you at all on a trade <laughs> here for pick 11 and a Malcolm Brogdon swap? Or, or should we just keep the picks without making trades? <laughs> I yeah we can I, there's I'm not losing any money or sleep over this yeah <laughs> yeah I I just didn't know if there was a deal that made sense like Evan Fournier and eleven for Malcolm Rod do we want to do that trade <laughs> uh, no I'm sure. just kidding but let's uh, let's let's pick here for the Knicks okay so I could go center here if I wanted to obviously there's a there's going to be a good chance to lose Mitchell Robinson do they need a center does Jalen Dern make a lot of sense I think that he could but I'm just looking at Tibbs and I know Tibbs loves defense so I'm going to go with probably the best defensive player in this draft at least in my my opinion and that's Jeremy Sohan it might be too high but uh, I'm just going to ride it out here I'm picking Jeremy Sohan 11 for the Knicks no Jeremy 11 is I think he'll actually he could go before that yeah Um, and like you said 
when you look at when you look at what Scotty Barnes brought to the Toronto Raptors this year and he won rookie of the year it was first and foremost his defense and secondary was you know his playmaking ability on offense and I think um Sohan especially you know playing at Baylor you're in a set offense you don't really know how to have your freedom in terms of creating for yourself, creating for others. And he struggled with that. And we saw that. I mean, he only, he averaged under 10 points a game, but that all should just go to the back of the mind of any Knicks fan, because he is a great, he's great uh, facilitator in terms of coming off the pick and roll. He makes decent reads, but defense is really where he's at. I want to say, what is he? Six, nine with a seven foot two wingspan, very similar numbers to Scotty Barnes and has a very similar uh, just, tenacity in the way he plays defense so yeah that's a great pick at 11 all right i believe i believe you're up uh you know at pick 12 what do you got over here for uh okc for okc if they're gonna take chet holgram at two then i say they're gonna take a guard they're gonna take malachi branham out of ohio state Mm. at 12 um late bloomer he was a completely different player from the beginning of the season to the second half of the season Uh, but i think that's just ohio state and their coaching staff trying to figure out how to uh, just help or in, implement him into the offensive set. Um, great size, 6'5", 185, I want to say, uh, will be a great secondary piece to Shea Gilgis-Alexander and Josh Giddy in the backcourt. Love, love the pick right over there. I feel like that's someone that, you know, we're hearing more and more about, you know, maybe not one of those big, big names that, that you hear a lot about, but I think at the value right over there is perfect. And moving over to pick 13, the Charlotte Hornets. We know one thing. We know two things about them. They could score, and two, they can't stop anybody. And that's why I think they're going with Jalen Duran right over here, <laughs> one of the younger prospects in this draft, highly touted, you know, coming into Memphis. Don't feel like he got to show everything, but what he did get to show is the building on the defensive side of things. He has the size to, you know, hold his own. He's got a seven foot five wingspan. I feel like center and defensive capabilities has to be top of the line for the Charlotte Hornets here. Yeah. What you have to remember about Jalen Duran is he actually reclassified up a, a year to join Penny Hardaway at Memphis. So he's one of the youngest players in the draft. We saw him struggle a little bit in the beginning of the season, just trying to get his, the pace and the, and just, uh, the speed of the, of the college game, but he adjusted well, um, you know, he's still a work in progress. I don't think he's going to contribute right away. Similar to what DeAndre Ayton did at Arizona. It took him a couple of years before, or Arizona, sorry, not Arizona, in, in Phoenix <laughs> for, for the Suns. Um, it took him a couple of years to kind of adjust to the role of the center position at the NBA. But if he's here at 13, I think this is who Charlotte is targeting. Um, will he be there? We don't know. But yeah, they need some size and defensive presence in the post. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. I, I do like the idea of Jalen Dern with with Charlotte, but we know they got Kai Jones last year. So it'll be interesting to see how that works. Obviously, Mason Plumley is not the long-term answer there. So not a bad pick to take a center. I'm curious if they prefer Mark Williams over Jalen Dern. But yeah, that'll be an interesting one for me. I'm picking for the Cavaliers here, a team that really did not anticipate being back in the draft lottery. Just had a lot of injuries that kind of derailed them towards the end of the season. That pick would have been the Pacers pick had they made the playoffs. So This one stings a little bit for me to pick, but because they're trying to win now, I'm going for a win-now-ready player. I'm picking Ochai Agbaji out of Kansas. I feel like his fit just makes too much sense there with Cleveland. Kristen, tell me why I'm wrong. No, you're not wrong. This, uh, From what I'm hearing from NBA teams, this feels like a lock for them, for the Mm -hmm. Cleveland Cavaliers at 14. Um, 
you know, and the fact that Ochai got a, a green room invite, yeah. <laughs> just like everything is starting to, uh, the stars are aligning for Ochai to go 14 to the cast. And look, I'm, I'm happy for Ochai. He's someone, he tested the waters three times to, for the NBA and they kept telling him, go back, develop your game, develop your game. And he did. And then in the meantime, he won a national title and he was what, a mid second round pick last year, decided to come back. Now he's going to be a lottery pick going to a team, you know, with playing with Darius Garland and, and Evan Mobley in the post and Jared Allen. And this, this, he could be the missing piece. I mean, he shot lights out from three has an NBA ready body right now. And is a plug and play guy that I think Cleveland is really starting to hone in and target. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think, I think it does make a lot of sense. I've, I've kind of been pegging this pick for a while now for Cleveland. Once they missed the playoffs, I'm just like, this is a perfect scenario here for them to get Ochai Baji. We did another mock draft and he actually went 10th to the Wizards, which that wouldn't shock me either. That's kind of a Wizardsy pick, but other than the Wizards, I can't see anybody else taking them. So let's go to pick 15. You're picking for the Hornets here. Who do you think they take here at 15, Kristen? Man, I don't, I mean, it's, it's weird. Be, it, well, if, if this actually happened, if they take Jalen Duran at 13 and then they've got 15, but I'm looking at best available and there's going to be a lot of intrigue from the six foot nine point forward out of the NZ breakers in the NBL in Australia, originally from France, Usman uh, Yang. And this is a player. He didn't play very well the beginning of the year for uh, the NBL over in Australia, but his, uh, his development from the beginning of the year to the end of the year was superb. Um, he's got a lot of upside. There's a lot to like about his size. And every NBA team wants a perimeter player with size who can also shoot lights out. And he's got all those tools. He is going to be a project, I think, again, just like Duran, he's maybe one or two years from making a big impact. But if he's there, if he's there at 15, you have to snatch him up because at that point it just becomes you take best, best available. Very, very, you know, I completely agree on that pick. I think that's a great pick right over there. Once you get down to that 15 range, it's so hit or miss. Every now and then you'll find a Kawhi Leonard or a Giannis, but they're, they're so rare at 15. But uh, to turn it over to you, Kristen, what do you think was maybe the surprise pick out of our, our mock draft? Uh, AJ Griffin <laughs> at eight. <laughs> wow, I'm, I'm surprised because I've seen him mocked a lot there recently. I mean, him or Shane Sharp at nine or whatever, wherever we put him 10. Yeah, he also, was nine. also I, I think Ivy will stay at four, but a team will grab him. Um, you know, we, we talked about this. The Sacramento Kings have had a lottery pick every year except for one year since 2007. And what have they done with it? You know, they draft Tyrese Halliburton and then they trade him to the Pacers. Like they just always seem, they drafted three guards in the lottery three straight years. And Davion Mitchell last year, I remember talking to Davion Mitchell in an interview last year, I was like, man, this kid is so depressed to go to the Sacramento Kings. I cannot believe this. So I do think um, a team will sneak up and, and take Ivy at four. Yeah. Part of the reason why I lean Murray over Ivy was like, how many times can you take guards with your top picks when you also just traded Halliburton? So it feels like that would be almost admitting kind of, hey, you know, we made a trade over there. Now we have a hole at guard. We just So I felt like Murray over there could be a fit. But at the same point, four is really where no one can have a sure pick for the Kings. Well, and honestly, we saw the same thing last year. Everyone thought that uh, Jalen Suggs was going to go four to Toronto. And then Scotty Barnes snuck up and, and went four instead. So those things do happen. And they probably will on draft night. Like it wouldn't surprise me if Keegan went 
if they kept the pick and Keegan went to the Kings. Um, and I actually, it would actually make me so much more happier because then I could see Jay Nivey and Kay Cunningham in the backcourt in Detroit. So, <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't like hearing that as a Pacer fan, but I get what you're saying. <laughs> I mean, that would be a fun backcourt. It's really just interesting because I, I feel like the draft starts with the Sacramento Kings personally. Uh, you could say OKC okay, it too because they're such a wild card, but if they take Chet, if three state consensus, then I think it definitely starts at four. But to kind of just transition out of this mock draft, since this is our Pacers podcast. Give me your top three prospects you think are a perfect fit for the Indiana Pacers. I mean, obviously Dyson Daniels, Ben Matherin, and you take a swing on Shaden Sharp. Those would be the three that I would be targeting at six. Okay. For sure. I already explained Dyson Daniels. Ben is two inches, not uh, as fast versatility or not as fast laterally on defense as as Dyson. So that's why he would fall in second. But then again, you never know what happens in these workouts. Like maybe Dyson went in for the Pacers and didn't hit a single shot. And then Ben came in and wowed them. Like nobody knows what happens behind these closed doors. And we only know what people want to tell us. Um, you know, I heard last year after the fact that a very high prospect who everybody thought was going to go one place and ended up not going there he had a panic attack at a workout. So these are things that we don't know if, what happened. Um, and then Shane Sharp, I think he's just like, if he hits, if, if Shaden turns out to be who I think he can be, he's a better shooting Anthony Edwards. Mm. Very interesting right over there. No one will <laughs> complain about that. But man, I would say about a month or two ago, Alex and I were all in at Shaden Sharp at six. And now there's just, all, all this uncertainty going on of where he might want to be or what he's really showing in some of these workouts that it has me being like, man, this is such an important pick for the Pacers that they really got to get this one right. And in the beginning, a couple of months ago, you tell yourself, Hey, swing for the fences. Now it's like, maybe we swing for a triple, you know, maybe instead of a home run. So that's why Matherin feels like the, the great fit for me. Dyson Daniels, I feel like is someone who would, you know, work his butt off shade and sharp. I wish there was, maybe more glowing reviews or, or less questions and more answers. Yeah, no, that makes sense. But um, listen, if, if I'm the Pacers, I'm not too worried about making the wrong pick this year because next year's draft is where it's at. And even if it, they fall flat this season with whoever they pick, that's fine because there's four or five players next year that are going to be insane and probably – well, definitely two franchise changing players. And then the other three in the top five are just surefire, you know, long-term pros. So mm -hmm. um, any team that if you feel like they didn't pick the guy that you wanted, well, you know what? That's okay. Because next year's draft is actually where it's at. <laughs> well, that's exciting. Cause I'm, I'm hoping the Pacers are bad again this year. I hate to say <laughs> that, but I just hope they are. So we can get another lottery pick and I hope they do hit on this year's pick so that you can just continue to add to that young core. Yeah, But I, I do want to kind of just go back in time a, a year ago when the Pacers got two picks in the first round, Chris Duarte, Isaiah Jackson. What are your thoughts on what they did this year uh, for the Pacers? And what did you like about them last year when they were entering the draft? You know, I love that um, Chris Duarte was kind of the Cam Johnson of the previous year, you know, kind of showing NBA fans and also NBA executives look, you don't need to draft the 19 and 20 year old in order for us to be an instant impact contributor to your roster. And that's what Chris showed the Cam Johnson, you know, is now a very, he's a staple piece 
for the Phoenix Suns. And Chris, I think is going to be the same thing. It's almost, it's almost like, you know, that saying age is just a number. Well, Chris and Cam are kind of showing that. I think Ochai Abaji is now that next player that we're going to see played all four years at Kansas. He's going to be a instant contributor to whatever team he lands, the Cleveland Cavaliers. And um, yeah, I, I love the pick. I thought he did great this year. Um, you know, it was just a couple injuries here and there that kept him off the court. Um, and Isaiah Jackson, I mean, he's got, he still has tremendous upside um, as a player that I think in a couple of years, we're going to be like, oh, I remember him. Um, but I, I'm not surprised that he hasn't kind of come into full bloom yet. Hey, we're, we're very excited for, you know, the last year. I mean, the Pacers have been having so many picks around like 18, and it's really hard to get a player that can turn things around. So I feel like we're starting to build something over here, a, a player at six. Hopefully there's another pick coming up that Pacers make a move to trade up into the first round. I think that would be great to acquire a second pick. But my last question for you, is there a player that you have like – that that gut feeling of like, hey, look, it's going to be later in the draft, but I really think that this guy is going to eventually rise to the top of his draft class. It doesn't need to be the top, but maybe someone who's slated to get picked at the end of the first round, early second, that you think is going to be able to make an impact for a team. Uh, yeah, I think Peyton Watson out of UCLA, six, eight and a half, uh, two guard, didn't really do anything at UCLA this year because they already had an established team. UCLA had basically their entire final four team come back this year. And it was hard for Peyton to get minutes on the floor. And also he came from not really playing organized or competitive basketball for a full year being in California where everything was shut down. It was, it was struggling. Like he was behind every play on defense. Um, didn't show a lot of confidence in the offense, but you cannot deny his size and what he could be projected in, in a year or two. I think, a lot of teams like him in the beginning of the second, and he's a player maybe four or five years from now, we're going to look back and be like, wow, he went 32 to the Raptors. That's crazy. Oh, it's, it's exciting for sure. So Chris, we want to thank you so much for coming on. If you guys haven't already, make sure you guys give her a follow at Kristen Peek. That's K-R-Y-S-T-E-N-P-E-E-K for all of your NBA draft analysis works for Yahoo sports, just a great job. So Kristen, thank you so much for coming on. This was a lot of fun. We'll have to have you back on soon. Thanks for having me guys. Anytime. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear. Check breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Check planning for what's next and how to save for it. That's where bank of America can help for your financial to do's bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Okay, everybody, there it is. Dyson Daniels, six overall to the Indiana Pacers. I know fans are probably like, ah, not the guy that I would have wanted. But with that being said, it was really interesting to hear Kristen's thought on Dyson Daniels and who she thinks makes a lot of sense for the Pacers. So overall, I just really enjoyed this exercise, Fachi. Oh, absolutely. Look, we can't say that Daniels at six is a major reach. Did feel like a bit of a reach, but at the same point, at least the Pacers brought him in for a workout. Like, I, I think that he's definitely in the running. Wouldn't hate the pick, but man, I mean, it, it, was, it was hard to see Benedict Matherin on the board and for the Pacers to pass him up. Yeah, absolutely. And then, you know, hey, I was teasing you about your pick at four with Keegan Murray, but, you know, Kristen thought my pick at eight for the uh, for the Pelicans taking A.J. Griffin was just 
you know, blasphemy. You almost almost got laughed off the screen. I I did. She was not happy with that pick. She said, whoa, that's way too high. So I'm curious, you know, between Sharp, Johnny Davis, Jeremy, so on, like who would you have taken at eight there, Fachi? Hmm, that's tough for the Pelicans. I I feel like I, I honestly wouldn't have hated Sohan at eight. A, I, I thought about it, but they got Herb Jones. I know I, it's something a little bit different, but I just felt like you know, man. I mean, I, AJ Griffin at eight is really not that bad at all. I mean, that's you're getting, I thought, but it's all right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you got laughed out of here, but at the same point, I think that that definitely has legs. We've seen Griffin initially. I I remember him being slated anywhere from like. Four two eight felt yeah. like at know? one point he wasn't top four on uh tankathon for sure. That. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting. Shaden Sharp falling to nine. I think that could be a bit of a shocker, but not entirely. Just the unknown there is quite interesting. But I, I do kind of like his fit with the Spurs because we know that they're a team that can bring him along nicely. I just don't know if he'll want to be there. But overall, I thought this was a fun exercise. I felt like we got most of the picks right. And yeah, other than that, I I don't really have too much to say. I'm just excited to continue talking about the draft as we are just, you know, almost a week away, Fudge. Just about a week. One last thing I'd say is, man, if Sharp went to the Pelicans, it just feel like he would end up being a star, but end up being the next star to want out of New Orleans because (laughs) it seems to be a common theme. So, you know, I I could definitely see that. But yeah, you know, where he fell in this draft, I, I thought was like unbelievable value that no one could pass up on. Yeah, so guys, if the draft fell this way, let us know who you would have taken at pick number six by commenting on our Instagram post at Pacers Talk or our Twitter page at Setting the Pace 3, or you can either tag me and Fachi. But uh, with that being said, Fachi, I already threw out some handles there, but let the people know where they can find us at on social media. So you can find us on Twitter at Setting the Pace 3. You can find Alex on Twitter at AlexGoldenNBA. I can be found on Twitter at underscore F-A-C-C-I. You can find us on Instagram at Pacers Talk find us on facebook at setting the pace find us on tiktok at setting the pace and alex tell them where they can check us out on youtube youtube.com slash setting the pace a pacers podcast also if you haven't already seen a little bit of teaser out there we do have some new merchandise coming soon and we will make sure that we guys uh, that we let you guys know about that i don't know what the prices are going to be on everything yet but we do have a brand new uh design made for us to throw on some shirts sweatshirts all that kind of stuff me and Fachi have been playing with it i think you guys are gonna really really like it once you see the finished product but with that being said Fachi, if you're excited for the new merch for the pacers to get a stud at pick six and you're all aboard the benedict matherin train say these three words let's go pacers choo choo